That's funny. Okay, we're live, Ryan. All right. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the penultimate place to get your movie, TV news, and reviews. This is episode 50 of the Cross Media Show, and today's topic, the Turning Red Review. But before we get to our discussion, if you're listening on your favorite podcast service, feel free to give us a good rating on that platform. It helps the algorithm and helps us grow our audience. And if you're watching on YouTube, consider dropping a like, a sub, and don't forget to hit that bell to get all sorts of notifications for shows such as Penultimate Game Show, Marvel Mondays Initiative, and Anime Nation. Now, if you're watching on Twitch and have Amazon Prime, you got Prime Gaming, which means you get one free sub to give out. We'd love if you gave it to us, but if not, that's quite alright. And for those of you who don't know me, my name is Ryan, host of Anime Nation, and I got some lovely guests today to talk Pixar's latest and greatest. First off, we got the quintessential Resident Evil fan herself, Tessa. How's it going, Tessa? Going good. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm a little distracted right now. It's all good. It's all good. And last, but certainly not least, we got editor-in-chief of OutHaven.com, the host of Spectator Mode podcast, Keith Metro. How you doing, Keith? What's up, everybody? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. Good to hear it. Good to hear it. Now we've got some light housekeeping to do before we dive on into this movie. Tomorrow, we on, on Thursday at 6 p.m. EST, we are doing our Tunic and Strangers of Paradise impression in person. So uh, get ready for that and ask us questions on SpeakPipe. Speaking of Tunic, this week's conquest is Tunic. Tune in tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern to see Ruben play some Tunic. And as always, feel free to drop your thoughts on any of our topics on our SpeakPipe at www.speakpipe.com slash penultimateconquest. And now on to the feature presentation, which would be Turning Red. And uh, I'm just going to start this off real easy, simple here. First impressions. Keith, what were your first impressions on this film? Oh, man, I heard a lot about this film. I hadn't watched it yet, but I saw there was a lot of back and forth on Twitter regarding a review. And I was like, all right, whatever. Let me watch it for myself. So I got my wife. I sat it down, sat her down, watched it, and I loved it. I, I generally loved this movie. It was the Pixar magic that I missed for so long. It had a lot of comedy, um, it had interesting characters, the animation was well done, and it had two very interesting stories it was telling at the same time. So I really loved it. I loved this film. I've watched it, I think, about six times so far. I really like this film. Awesome, awesome. Great to hear it. And uh, we'll definitely be getting into that review you talked about a little bit later in this podcast. I didn't read it, so I'm going to enjoy this. <laughs> all right, all right. And uh, Tessa, what about you? What were your first impressions? Um, I absolutely loved it. I, of course, um, related to a good bit of it, and it was very refreshing to see a film with that kind of uh, viewpoint. And, um, yeah, I, I really appreciated it. So I guess... Uh, in regards to that review, I'm the opposite. I loved it because I found a character I related to for once. But anyway, no, it was very and, well done. And uh, I am right there with you guys. I absolutely adored this film. It was fun. It felt fresh. It felt unique. It was that Pixar magic, like Keith was saying earlier, that it's kind of been gone from Pixar outside of things maybe such as like 
Luca and stuff like that. But it really hasn't been there with it because they've been doing all the sequels, doing stuff like that. This is that original Pixar magic. It's the uniqueness of it all, the feeling. And yes, it does touch some topics and things that have rubbed people wrong way. But I think that's the beauty of this film is it is a film that's about a weird time in everyone's lives that it captures perfectly. It captures the weird awkwardness and everything so perfectly and some amazing family dynamics in within that. And I think it does a fantastic job of all does. And that brings us into a bit of a character breakdown. Because I think the heart of this movie is the characters. The world of Toronto and the world they created is really great. But the characters are what hold this movie together. So I just want us to go through some of these characters and just what we thought of them. And the first one going to be is going to be the main four girls. And Keith, how do you feel about the main star cast of this, the four girls? They made me miss my friends. <laughs> they really did it. The, the dynamic that the four friends had was like what I had when I was growing up. They were always there when I was down and vice versa. I was there when they were having issues. We always supported each other. Even when our parents was giving us grief or going through school or out playing basketball, it was really enjoying to see this kind of um, character lineup. And it wasn't like they were just generic characters. that just got tossed into the movie. Each character had a different background. And you can see how they brought their own differences with them. Like um, the main character was the mama's girl, but eventually she turned into teenager. I'm going to do what I want to do, mom, but I still love you. And then you got her best buddy, which was Mirror, which is like, I got you regardless, no matter what. And um, I, I can't pronounce the other girl's name. The um, Pi? I, I just loved her because she was like, you know what? Whatevs. I'm good. I'm cool. Whatever. But she always has something interesting to say at the same time. I, I loved it. But the last character was just, I'm going to destroy everything. Just point me in that direction and I'm going to blow everything up. I oh, loved it. Abby was great. <laughs> she, Abby is my hilarious. personal favorite character. She was so her. funny. But yeah, she had that I, amazing I loved, energy to her. I loved, I loved the dynamic the four friends had. It was great. It was. It was really great. Uh, what about you, Tess? What did you think of the core four? Oh, I loved it. Um, I could almost like pick the ones that uh, I was friends with that kind of related to which role. Um, we were all very <laughs> awkward together and we were all very awkwardly discovering things together. And it just, it reminded me of that a lot. And it was very well done. It wasn't like a, like a cookie cutout of, you know, certain character types. I just, yeah. Abby was great though. The constantly angry one. Yes. But I honestly think uh, Miriam might have been my favorite one. I love that moment whenever, like, my mom doesn't like you already. And she's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, right. And, like, she just shuts the window and Miriam's just, like, sitting there staring like, what the f-? <laughs> Oh, it's so good. It's great. so good. <laughs> Your mom doesn't like me. But anyway. And that brings us into the next major role I want to talk about in this movie which is Minglin May's mother, who I think is also probably the second strongest character in this film. As uh, someone who grew up with an overbearing mother, to say the least, she plays that role to perfection. Sandro, of course, playing it, it is an amazing role. She does amazing in it. What do you guys think of the mom, Keith? I love the mom. I loved her. I mean, I'm, you're going to hear me say this a lot, but there's nothing about this film that I do not like. I love the entire film. 
the mom was hilarious. She was a strong character, but I think the biggest impression the mom that I got from the mom is when um, she was um, she called her daughter drawing <laughs> these pictures. <laughs> oh, and yes. she just and she just went off. There was nothing yeah. you could say. She was done. She was in full mamo, get in the car. We're going down to the store. <laughs> we're going to talk to the boy. And it's like, but he didn't even do anything, mom. Don't, don't talk back to me. I'm, And it was also great because you could see that it didn't make a difference if mom was going off the handle and she was wrong. I wasn't going to correct you. I was going to sit there and go, all right, mom, well, you, you, know, you got it, whatever. Yeah. Just like I would do it's because I'm sorry. Yeah. Back in my day, if... <laughs> My mom was going off the handle on me, and I'm trying to correct it. She was like, "Excuse me, what? Smack? What'd you say? None. <laughs> I'm done. You're right. Sorry. Won't do that again." Oh, all righty. And uh, Tessa, what about you? What did you think of the mom? Um, I thought she was very well done. I uh, think that personally, uh, maybe it's just me that thinks this, but I feel like. Um, women rather than men are more likely to carry that kind of generational trauma and inherit like very, I hate to say toxic traits, but toxic traits um, from their mother. I've seen that more often with women than men. Like it can happen. Yeah. But I um, feel like there's this like constant need to please. And I really enjoyed them showing them working through that and kind of figuring it out together. Um and kind of breaking the cycle, which I feel like this is actually a generation that is working on that. They're working on breaking that constant uh, vicious cycle of I am my parent. Um, I thought they did her really well. And I also just really loved the the ending. Um, I wasn't expecting her uh, inner panda to be so um, vicious. (laughs) <laughs> I wasn't expecting a kaiju red panda essentially. To, yeah, I wasn't. Ex- uh, I wasn't come expecting. I wasn't expecting a kaiju battle at the uh, Backstreet Boys concert, but yeah. I'll take it. Like I just, I, I thought she was well done. Uh, I I also agree. I think she was very well done, and I think something that they did also really well with that was the father, the quiet father. I think he had some of the most touching moments in the movie where he was like your mom was also had things back then it's a generational thing he brought that problems up he also understood that these are her friends and he has to accept that and he's happy that she's happy with those friends that's one of the most important moments i think in the entire film is the dad uh just looking through the camera but uh, what do you think of the dad, Keith? The dad is me. The dad is me to a T. There are times where my wife would get on my daughter and they would go back and forth and my daughter would be depressed or sad or whatnot. And I would just go in and say, you know what? You're, you're all right. You're fine. Things are, will be better. You know, because I, I feel that everybody needs that one person in their parent dynamic to say, hey, don't worry about it. The good guy and the bad guy. I mean, even though there's no bad guy just per se, but there's always one that's going to be overbearing, and it's always going to be one that's going to be quiet and reserved. At least I've noticed throughout my families. Yeah, I have to agree with that one as well. Uh, definitely. Uh, and Tessa, what about you? What do you think of the father? 
Um, he had one of my favorite scenes, which was not even emotionally related to anything, that food scene. I absolutely loved. He just got so absorbed in cooking and like they just showed him having this like oh, yeah. Yeah. passion for it for like maybe five seconds and then like it zooms out and he's just like, huh, what? Um, I also really loved that they were making Bao. I felt like that was kind of a little nod to the director. Of course, of course. I forgot she worked we worked on Bao. Yes, I forgot we have Bao. not brought up the director, of course, Dami Shi, who has this is her second movie, right? After Raya. Her second directorial, I believe. Yeah, I thought that was a cute little nod. Yes, this uh, is her second. Sweet. And yeah, I uh I did appreciate that they did show the dad being a little more quiet and sort of reserved and just very mellow. Um, I have to agree with that. And then that leads us to um, the final character we'll be talking about in our character roundup here, which would be the grandmother and the aunties. I'll put them all as one character because they move as a unit. <laughs> uh, what did you think of the grandmother and the aunties, Keith? I thought they were hilarious. Um, I when the grandma first made that call and the mother is going crazy because she doesn't want her mom coming down there. And then she comes down there and she's all strict and whatnot. But she turns out to be a very caring character, but she has her way of showing it. Yeah, just like mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure we all have that character in our life that means well, but their message or the way they they speak to you comes out probably not the way you want to hear it. Um, I enjoy the fact that she did show that she loved her daughter and i think the daughter just thought that her mom didn't care about her as much as she should have because she needed to be this perfect daughter just like she was doing to her own daughter but then the end you know the, the grandmother's like i'm not gonna lose my daughter and she told her she showed that how much she really loved her despite what happened to her in the past or her upbringing you know and and, and that's and i don't want to jump ahead here but that's part of the message i got from this film is you know as we grow up we want our kids to be perfect and maybe sometimes we're too strict on our kids and we end up pushing them away instead of pulling them closer to each other to each other, to ourselves um just one of the stories that i picked up from this movie there's a bunch of them or messages i should say I definitely have to agree. There's a, there's a lot for a movie that when I first saw the trailer and I'm like, okay, I, I can see where this is going and everything. This brought a lot of heart and it brought a lot of depth in multiple angles for uh, all different types of storytelling within it. And uh, Tessa, what about you? What was your thought on the grandmother and the aunties? Um, I was kind of eh about the ants like it was just you know whatever the focus was obviously on the grandmother they were just kind of like background noise you know mm -hmm. um but yeah i thought the ants provided some comedic relief um and i feel like the grandmother obviously i don't know for sure um but i do have a few chinese american friends and the older people in their families are very much so that like kind of stern, restricted. They don't show a lot of emotion. Um, and it just reminded me of like meeting their grandparents whenever I was a kid. And I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I thought she was very wonderful. Because as you said, like she does eventually like come around and show her daughter, hey, I 
I do care about you. I do. Um, and I feel like that almost opened up like a nice little gateway for her to talk to May and kind of resolve that as well. So. Yeah. Like a uh, chain reaction, kind of, if that makes sense. All right. All right. And uh, for our next topic here, we've gone for the character now. Seems like we enjoyed most of them. Or understood at least their purpose in the story. And with our next one, we're not going to dive into some of the controversy on this movie just yet. I want to break down the story a little bit. A story breakdown where we uh, kind of go over the few plot lines that we had throughout the film here. Which are, of course, the, the four girls trying to get their four town tickets. And the family drama of the panda coming and all that led with that on that side of the front of the mama, mama's girl, all that kind of thing, obedient, all that. To the change and all that. So, uh, did the story beats work for you here, Keith? Yes. Like I said, there wasn't there wasn't a moment in this film that I didn't love, and the messages that uh, that I I got from the film were great. Even I have though too, my okay. my daughter, go ahead, I'll I'll say that. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, uh, you were saying something. I cut you off. Oh no 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 no! I was just saying I agree with you. All all the moments in this movie were fantastic. What, what were you saying about your daughters? I was saying so I was watching it, you know, and she walked in because she wasn't watching it with me and the wife, mm-hmm. and she was like, "What's this movie called?" And I was like, "Called Turning Red." And then she looked at it for a second. She was like, are you watching a movie about a period? I'm like, <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> and she left. We then got mad. Lightly, that we didn't the okay. movie. She just walked away. She had things she was doing. She had just stopped. And I was like, yeah, we know. Thanks a lot for that. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I really think whoever wrote this story or who interwove these stories. So the messages did a fantastic job from the ones I picked up um, from the mother and daughter dynamic, from the friendship dynamic, from not judging people, from trying to please everybody and, and not doing things that you want to do. There's just so many things in this film. It's just, it's a great upcoming film. Plus it got, it, I got a chance to go look at a movie that showed the generation that I grew up in, which was great. We don't see many films about that anymore. No, no, you don't. And I, I, I have to agree with you on a lot of those fronts. Like, I think it did a perfect job with the story of coming to age and what that brings outside of just, yeah, you're getting older and things changing now. But it's also not just a change. By it's a change in family dynamics. It's a change in your friend dynamics. It's a change in every way of your life that happens throughout those ages. And this movie captures that really well. And I think that's something that a lot of coming-age stories don't touch on. They'll take one aspect of that and hone in on it. This movie took the broadness of it and rolled with it completely. And it also brought in the fun and fantasy that we see from Disney and Pixar with the panda. They they had this whole separate storyline of just this old Chinese folklore of that this family, the women that turn into pandas at a certain age and they have to deal with that. I also think they had another uh, message or dynamic to show as well because when she started becoming more familiar with her panda form mm-hmm. and then she just clicked, you know, when she's running towards or hopping towards uh, the Sky Dome to catch the concert, you know, she's jumping in the air as a panda, 
then turning back into herself, then jumping again as a panda. And it, it feels like it's one of those, I'm a superhero now. I know how to do this stuff now. Check me out. I'm doing this. She's because she's she's enjoying herself now. She's having more fun. It's the it's the it's the what's up danger moment of yeah, this. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, I hundred percent agree with that. And uh, Tessa, what about that for you? What about the uh, the story beats? Did they work for you? And yeah, I I gotta say, obviously, um, I I think that it was really nice and refreshing because like. You have, like, so many versions of the story of a boy coming to age and, like, embracing that and what that means. And it was really nice to um, see a film that was essentially, like, a uh, metaphor for a menstrual cycle. I mean, uh, it was was very refreshing. And I honestly could see this film kind of coming in handy. You know how they uh, use... um, Oh my goodness, I can't think of it. The, oh my God, Inside Out to kind of help explain, you know, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. certain certain mood swings and, uh, and emotional and, problems and all yeah, that and kind like of how thing. to cope. I feel like this will be very useful if parents decide to use it as a means to describe and explain what menstrual cycle is and how it's a part of life. And, you know, I think, um, from from a from a female point of view it's really interesting that the older generations that have the panda um are very like shameful of it and they want to keep it locked away and like they want to act like it doesn't exist and well growing up everyone around me everyone older than me was like oh no we don't talk about like i had no idea what that was sorry this is going to be a little tmi i guess um but yeah, and then it just hit while I was playing with my male best friend in white shorts one day, and that was really fun. I was nine. No idea what was happening. I thought I was dying. <laughs> oh, and this um, is another reason why I'm glad I'm a guy. I've heard yeah. many horror stories about that. Yeah, that, that's one of the worst ones I've heard so far. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I just, I feel like if people were more accepting of it, um, say as May is with her panda and gets more comfortable, I feel like that could change the discourse. Although I gotta say props to mom in that film for being like, I've got you, here are pads, here's unscented, scented, I have these, I have these with the wings. Like she was she was prepared. I didn't have that. I just had like a here, go throw this on and take these and yeah. And I never really got explained what was happening. It was just like this is what you have. Um <laughs> This is and, the card you were dealt. Yeah, like I remember one time my teacher, because like I said, I was nine, so around fifth grade-ish. Mm-hmm. My teacher refused to let me go to the bathroom because she thought I was lying because that was too early to have that, Um, which is just ridiculous. So I think that like, yeah, there, it is coming of age, obviously, but like I find oh. it's an interesting kind of metaphor um that the younger generation is more comfortable with it they are more embracing of it and whenever they embrace it and they're open about it they're suddenly a lot more comfortable and they're feeling more bold and brazen and yeah i i think that's interesting (laughs) no i i fully agree with you and that's actually the perfect segue into a uh a two-part uh controversy on this film (laughs) 
Uh, some parents are getting a little mad that this movie talks about the menstrual cycle and shows pads and everything, which I don't understand in the slightest. This I seems like no a great way to bring that conversation up with kids. I think this movie should be used in health class and things, or just at least have health classes. Unlike the great state of Arizona I was taught in, that taught us absolutely jack all about anything. Good I God. don't understand. I don't understand how a parent can get frustrated about and you gotta think about this. Not everybody is gonna pick up on what exactly this film is about. And even yeah. then, you're gonna get upset about something that is natural. I mean really? It's life. It's just what happens. You you should be happy that a film is breaking it down in a more easier way that's easy for you or anybody to digest versus you go on to school one day and it just happens to you. You're outside and it just happens to you and you're like, what the hell is happening? Or you go to health class and they say, this is going to happen to you. And you go, mom, what? What are they talking about? This is great. It's hilarious. It's, it's comedy. It's a film of growing up. And it's a level of characters and it's, great stories. Here's How the thing to me that I don't get about it is it is Yes, the movie is one big metaphor for it, of course. But it's really only one scene that is centered around that, and it's right. played for a joke. It's a laugh. Um, it's a laugh scene where it's a like a mix of two worlds. So I don't get why one scene of the movie has now been criticized so much and is taken on by people. Well, I do. It's because older generations don't understand that things should be kept secretive. And uh, Tessa, I definitely want to hear what you have to say. No, I was just going to also add as far as, like, the other stuff, like, the awkward teenage years stuff, like, the um, mm -hmm. fan fiction, for example. I gotta say, as someone who currently does a lot of creative writing, I started real early and I wrote some weird shit. I don't understand why everyone's freaking out about a 13-year-old girl having this, like, fantastical story about a mermaid, you know, like, I, I wrote some weird shit as a teenage girl. Um, I mean, I... It gets weird. Like, 13-year-olds are obviously aware of, like, hormonal changes. And I'm not talking just girls. Guys, too. Like, I, I'm i not a guy, obviously. But I'm sure guys have some really weird thoughts whenever they start figuring that kind of stuff out. <laughs> like, it's perfectly normal. And everyone's like, oh, my God, 13-year-old girls don't do stuff like this. I'm like, what 13-year-old girl have you actually sat down and spoken to? <laughs> like... That's something they, I want to give know that. <laughs> give such props to this film for is its respect to a teenage girl. Not a lot of movies show that when they talk about any coming of age subject, especially when it's women. And this movie does it fantastically. Yeah, we get weird, creepy stuff like uh, Sixteen Candles and uh, oh, Sixteen Candles. <laughs> such a bad movie, such a problematic movie. But anyway, <laughs> oh, '80s John Hughes. Hey, I'm still a huge fan of some kind of wonderful. I'm not even gonna lie, but anyway. Anyway, and then there's the second controversy. We've broken it down. I think we all can agree here. The controversy around it being about mental is dumb. It is. This movie is great because of those reasons, and it helps. I think way more than it could ever hinder anyone. As a parent, I didn't have any issues with it. My wife had no issues with it. I, I don't get that. That mm -hmm. controversy, I think it's dumb. Beyond dumb. 
Tessa, do you have anything left you want to say on this controversy before I move it to the next one? Uh, well, in a world where we're arguing about so many other things with women's bodies, it, it's not shocking. That's all I'm going to say. All right. And whew, now we get to the other one, which is a review put out by, let me pull it up here. Making sure I'm thinking of the right one. Is it the one that got deleted after? The one that got deleted. Okay. Just making sure. This is what I'm taking all this from NPR for its news source for this one. And it was brought to us by... Um, so Ruby is currently teething and she's like chewing slash sucking on my <laughs> hand. So if y'all hear something really weird, that's probably what it is. I just felt like I should preface that before it was like, um, Tessa. <laughs> here we go. I got it all here right now. This would be uh, brought to us by Cinema Blend. They quickly deleted this after massive backlash online. Oh, people. By Sean O'Connor. You can't uh, remove something once it's on the internet. You cannot. And they called this film limiting. By rooting Turning Red very specifically in Asian community of Toronto, the film Jimmy feels like it was made for Donishai's friends and immediate family members, which is fine, but also it had limiting in scope, which was their thing. And they also went on to claim that basically the past uh, group of Pixar and other f and Disney films have been limiting, such as Coco, Luca, pretty much anything not based around white suburban America has been limiting to an audience. Uh, I'm glad I didn't read that review because I have words to say about that, but I probably shouldn't say it here, so I'm not going to say it. <laughs> uh, oh, 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 you just follow my lead and we can see where we go with this one. Um, this review absolutely bothers me in the sense that I view cinema, cinema as something very special. The the silver screen is, and it's not to be in this world of comfortability that you know. It's the it's to see things and feel things that are new and experience new things and be able to see new stories inside the stories you'd never be a part of. And by limiting it to what you only know, you're never going to experiencing anything more than that. Beyond the cultural racism that is there, as someone who is of, I am half Mexican and half Hawaiian, I can say that the movies Coco and Moana were great feeling to see characters that look like me and my family members on a silver screen. That means the world to those people. Mm -hmm. So for you to belittle that and to make it seem like it is a problem against disney that's it's just wrong it's wrong and it's just not how it is that's just called it what it is it's racism it's, it's racism it what it is it's racism it's racism. That's all it is you know not to derail the conversation but i, no, I have a, a tangent to talk about as well um and i'll just go off with something that i've been dealing with for a while not me directly but you know for mm -hmm. people of my color black people um so 
we'll use the gaming space as an example. We've always complained that there's not enough black characters in video games or there's not enough features to make a black character in video games like hair, facial features, things of that nature. You know, Capcom's been doing it for a while, but I think they learned their lesson. So the most recent thing has been Elden Ring, which is one of my favorite games of all time. But as I went through the game, because I had access to the game early, I went through the, the uh, character creator and I was like, look, there's literally no hairstyles in this game for a person of color. There's none. And I was like, you know, the Japanese do this a lot. Okay, I, I get that. And of course, the only way you can make this um, known that you're frustrated is to voice your opinion. Say, hey, I don't like this. I would like to see more things in there. And I said that in my review. Well, I had some people complain, say, why would you say that? It's, the game seems fine to me. You're not a fan of From Software Games. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to make a video now because you just pissed me off. So I made this video about the lack of black hairstyles in the game. Just like I did for Monster Hunter and Monster Hunter Rise. And I kept saying that in that video, I like these games. I love these games. I'm probably a bigger From Software fan than you. Like, I literally own every game from From Software outside of, um, what was it? Kingsfield. Those oh, okay. Stories. We're going way back. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of From Software. You know, Elden Ring stuff behind me. We got, I got some Metal Dark... Wolf Chaos in there. <laughs> <laughs> I got some Dark Souls stuff on my, on my, uh, on my shelf over there, I I imported the Dark Souls Japanese collector edition because it had the cool weapons that we didn't get over here. Wow, I'm a massive fan. I've got I've got thousands of hours of Dark Souls three on the PC version alone, not counting the other games. No, I'm a huge fan of From Software, but for me to go and say I'm disappointed that there are no hairstyles that I would rock, that's kind of a problem. I was like, even Demon Souls remake that wasn't from From Software, but the original game was. Blue Point made it a. Uh, uh, they put a black hairstyle in the game, which is great. They did. So people come back and they're on, on YouTube and they're like, oh, I don't see any problem with this. Why are you saying this game's a problem? Is there an issue with the game? It's like, maybe because you don't have a problem doesn't mean I don't have a problem. I don't see why you have a problem with me calling something out. Well, I played a game to play the game. Why don't you put a helmet on your head? I was like, dude, that's literally not the reason. And I, I got to the point where people kept doing it. I was like, look, if you're going to be racist, do it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Because that's what it is at the end of the day. It doesn't bother you. Fantastic. Great. But if it bothers me and I have a problem with it, you shouldn't be trying to say, oh, there's nothing wrong with it. The, the second you say there's there's not something wrong with something that you deem is fine and you're represented well, then great. And it's the same thing with these movies. If you have a movie that's about a minority or something that does, or somebody doesn't look like you and you want to call it out. Why? A film is for everybody. A video game is for people to enjoy. A movie is for people to enjoy. I get it if you don't like certain things about the movie, but don't make it about uh, the color of somebody's skin or where they come from. That's dangerous territory right there. You shouldn't be doing that. It is. I definitely agree. Unless unless you're racist. And I hate saying that, but there you You go. You can say it, though. It's stupid. it's It's a racist thought it's a it's a racist point of view that 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 he has and that's why he quickly deleted offline as fast as he could because the backlash was huge on it which he deserved fully um cash wayback machine you can't get away (laughs) from that somebody should teach them that nope you can't and that brings us uh tessa do you have anything you want to say on this review and uh what the controversy is and everything yeah, I just kind of wanted to tack on like uh, how you said the review mentioned that that's limiting. Um, I wish people would see it as it's expanding. Um, 
I personally think it's beautiful that they show so many different cultures and so many different um, perspectives on how to look at the world and how to experience um, everything around them. Um, I just, I, I'm, I'm wanting to say that because honestly, Coco, I think was, and is my number one from them. Like I love that film. I think it's beautiful. The story is beautiful. The culture. It's an amazing film. Um, but also, um, oh, sorry. <laughs> um, so also I think that, uh, that guy can eat a bag of, you know what? Um, but yeah, I think that, um, like you were saying too, film is meant to be experienced. It's meant to kind of broaden your horizons. It's not meant to be, um, you know, the white male protagonist with the same exact, uh, like suburban picket fit, picket fence family is like the background. Um, if anything, that would be limiting to just show the same exact thing over and over again. Which I have to say, um, Disney, there is another thing they do that I really love, and I know Eric's talked about this before, the uh, newer Mickey Mouse shorts that they do. Uh, they do a lot of culture representation in that. It's wonderful. Um, pretty much any time it's like set in a different area or a different part of the world, they actually respect it. They speak that language whenever they speak. Um, and I, I just really like that. I know, I know Disney has its problems currently, um, with what's oh, going I, on in Florida, but also. That will be touched on right after this. They though. are also getting better at representing actual, like, cultures and people. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely have to agree with that, and I'm. I agree very much everything you said here, but I do want to touch on the Florida thing for a hot second here. And that would be, Disney's been pumping a hefty amount of money into the Don't Say Gay Bill down in Florida, which is harmful against young children of LGBT, or LGBT, and yeah, so, um, they also, a lot of the animes have come out and spoken against it, a lot of their creative staff, because Fun fact, a lot of them are LGBT, and that rubs them very much the wrong way, and they pretty much, to deal with it, sent out a we're sorry email. Um, so there's lots of great handy people who are doing live streams, doing charity auctions, doing all sorts of things to raise money against it, and to say that we may have worked for this company, and we may have done some stuff for them, but we don't agree with it, and here's ways to help against it. Such as the creator of the Owl House, Ron Terrence, who did a charity live stream a couple days ago, and other creative people who are working for Disney. Can I just say, I am so disappointed with Florida. Not just with this, with everything they've done. Oh yeah, it's 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 like once one either every other day there's something that Florida is doing, it's something that the governor is doing, and it's like. Can you be any more blatant on how dumb you are about the things you're doing in this, this state? Seriously? This bill is ridiculous. It has it no meaning. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be there. A bill should be of something of importance. This is important? This is childish. It just shows you what kind of, what kind of uh, government and leadership we have in that state. 
just is dumb. It is. It's a hundred percent is. It is absolutely um idiotic. I it rubs me the long way on a lot of different ways. Um, but most of all, it is bigoted, it is idiotic, and it is sad that Disney is giving money. I understand, Disney, you have a big stake in Florida. You pretty much run your entire tourism out there. But do better. That's all I ask from you. You give me these amazing films and these amazing worlds that I love dearly. Do better. Yeah, don't be coming back and saying we're against certain things after pressure to make mm-hmm. you do it. You mm-hmm. should be at the forefront. No. Mm-hmm. You're, then, a, you're a place that people come to enjoy themselves. Mm-hmm. Everybody, straight people, people, you know what, gay people, everybody. Mm-hmm. And then you want to do this nonsense? Mm-hmm. And now they're trying to think it's okay because they have let uh a same-sex couple kiss or date on different animated shows they have or movies, and I'm like, that's not, that's the bare minimum here. That, nope, You've given hundreds of thousands of dollars to a terrible cause. You gotta do more than that. It's also, I don't... No, go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh, go, ahead. go ahead, that's a... I was just saying, it's also interesting to see um, how their politics play out compared to their... Uh, like they they realize they still can make money off of it. They have uh gay pride merchandise that goes out in Walt Disney World. Um like the rainbow rainbow colored merchandise. Uh, yeah, they're on my I pin mean, boards back yeah. here behind me. There is a rainbow Mickey that I bought during Pride when I was there. Yeah, they are very much so hey, they're capitalistic um, pride. We, we support this. No, we actually don't. Um, and it's it's just a really unfortunate uh, thing because not everyone pays attention to the news. And some people really do think that Disney is like perfect and they do no wrong because look at them. They're selling pride merchandise. They're they're open and accepting and welcoming. And it, yeah, you get where I'm going with that. It's and just, I, I completely understand what you're saying. And I'm... Yeah. To close off this one part of uh, surprisingly for a movie about a girl turning into a panda, it has brought up a lot of controversies among it. Um, to close off this one, do better, Disney. I expect better from you. You make worlds that are inclusive and open and beautiful. See that in the people in the real world and treat them with the respect you can treat animated characters. That's really what I ask from you. And last but not least is, uh, on the way Disney of treating people, um, Pixar, uh, you just don't get to go into theaters anymore, I guess. You have been limited to Disney+. Plus. These people have not had one of their movies in theaters, uh, since Onward, which I believe was two or three movies ago. You know what, I'm uh, fine with that. I'm fine with that. Are you? Yeah, I am. For right now. For, for right now. For where we are, for where the world is right now, I'm fine with that. You see, I I don't know if I am because I don't want to see Pixar become the the studio that they had carry their back basically throughout the twenty tens. Anything post Disney Renaissance to Frozen did Pixar's what carried them. It was the Toy Story. It was Finding Nemo, Incredibles, Ratatouille, Up. It was that amazing run of Pixar films throughout the 2000s to the 2010s. 
that led this company, these people deserve to see their name on the big screen. They don't deserve to see it at home when they're told they will see it on the big screen. No, I agree with that. The reason why I say I don't mind right now is because we're still in the pandemic mode. Oh, no, I 100% I really, Yeah, I really want them to go the back. Pandemic. All movies should be in the theater. But during this pandemic, I think that any movie, not just this movie or any mm-hmm. Pixar movies, should be an option to see from home. That's just I it. can agree I mean, with that. I can agree. With that. Like the Batman. Batman came out and I'm gonna see it, but I'm not going to the theaters because I don't think that we're ready. So I won't go to the theaters. I'll miss out on something great. That's fine. But I this is just me. I've seen enough people in my area that I know are not vaccinated and are out and walking around, no mask, you know. And I'm like, you know what? Nope, I am fine. I guess that's I, I guess that's very fair. I live in a uh, very liberal area, so it's full vax, full mask everywhere. Like so it's something that kind of has left my realm of thinking. But yes, yeah. no, because of that. Um, when I go to Best Buy and I'm like, me and my wife are the only people with mask on. I'm like, outside of the employees, like, oh, you can't tell me all you people are vaccinated. Yeah, no, I didn't. Uh, I did not think about that. Yeah, oh. I uh, I wait tables for a living. So, and I'm in Louisiana where masks don't exist and the vaccine is a government ploy to population control. Um, And I think that uh, I've just kind of given up on it. I'm vaccinated. I'm boosted. I've had COVID, so I also have that natural immunity in there. Um, And I just got to kind of hope for the best. But I will say, I'm... I'm okay with things being available to watch at home because I have a five-month-old, an almost five-month-old. And I know that's kind of selfish to say it like that, but I think it's no. kind of nice. And no, it is. It's completely understanding. Film studios would realize that people are just as willing to pay the same amount to see a movie at home that they are to see a movie in theater. I still haven't seen the Batman. I really you know, want to this see is a This is a holdout. It's, it's, just, it's a holdout. This is... Movies are a holdout from past generations where we all want to go see stuff. We're in a generation where we have the technology to watch stuff at home. We've seen it multiple times yeah. over. But because, I don't want to go into it all, but because of greed and how the movie associations work, we got to give them the theaters, we got to line our money, our pockets with money, and then we'll let, eventually let you take it home. But some films have already shown that if you bring it home, they do well regardless. Yeah, and I mean, give, you can me literally put a sign to paywall and have it go away 72 hours. Out. Like, you don't have to have it, like, available for free to stream or, like, pay and you get it indefinitely. Like, you can take it away after a certain amount of time. Like, I and I think people would be just fine with that. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely with that. agree. I watched a brand new movie last night just because I could rent it on Amazon for $5.99 or $10.99. And goes ten ninety nine rent, and I had no problem with that because I could do it from the comfort of my home in my recliner. So yeah, I definitely I do agree with you on that, and I agree with you guys that yes, at the moment movies should be at home and in theater. But I do also agree with the people over at Pixar that are worried they have now become a just a part of Disney Plus, and it's just oh, you pay for Disney Plus, you get the Pixar films. I can see how that can be kind of demeaning and kind of sad when you put all this work in and you don't get that theatrical I would feel say, of watching a movie. I would say that if that continues to be the thing, even after we eventually go back to theaters, mm-hmm. I can see people that are in Pixar leaving and starting their own studio. Oh, I could Won't definitely. The first time. I could definitely see that. And some of those people have gone off to do some really great things. 
And didn't what was that other animation movie? Um, well, they did um, Ice Age movies. Oh, um, isn't that just um, DreamWorks? No, no, there was a there's a was it? No, there's another company. Or is that Sony? Mm, I need to look it up now because now my brain is going. Hey, Sony animation does stuff. Yeah, Sony has their own. They're who is that studio? There's another studio. Guilty pleasure of mine. They're like Sky something. Oh, Sky Point. Mm. Or Sky Blue? Sky Point? Yes. Sky Blue, I think it was. Okay. Yeah, Blue Skies. Blue Blue Sky Studios. Didn't they go under or did somebody pick them up? They were under Fox and then Walt Disney bought Fox. Has them. And so yeah. that's, what, that's what I was getting at. So Disney has another animation studio yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Which I so think I they could, have still pumped. I think they just didn't they put out an Ice Age movie. It was yes. terrible. That's I did hilarious. Like I didn't even watch it. Neither did I. <laughs> it was not good. I like the first one a lot. After that, I'm like, eh. No. But they did no. some good movies. They did, uh, they did the Rio movies. Uh, Horton Hears a Who. The Peanuts, uh, did a bunch of them. The Peanuts movie, surprisingly good. Yeah, that's a that's an underrated movie in my opinion. Oh, it I captured what it, what the Peanuts were pretty well. And Spies in Disguise, love that movie too. I didn't know they did Spies in Disguise. Yep. All right, and that is pretty much all I have to say on Turning Red. I am going you to now... miss one important thing. What did I miss? How they recreated the cheesy 2000 boy band music. You're right. You're right. <laughs> How could I so forget good. that they brought in Billie Eilish and her brother to make a fake 90s boy band and give them four different or five different full songs throughout the movie and did it so well. Oh, it is fantastic. I just love uh, how they made fun of the name, like how stupid the names were. Why is it called Four Town if there's five? <laughs> like, like, kind of like, why is it called in, like what? Uh, no, uh, why is it called Backstreet Boys? I don't, I don't get it. It was hilarious because we were listening to, to it. We were listening to it, and we got into a conversation. It's like you know, this reminds me of all these boy bands back in the day, and they all sounded the same. Literally sounded the same. It's like, could you tell who sang this song? But there was some brutal competition amongst yeah. preteen girls about which one was better. You were either Backstreet Boys or NSYNC, or you were the really weird one that was like, no, 98 degrees, 100%. <laughs> I forgot about 98 degrees. I had a huge obsession with Nick Lachey when I was younger. That's amazing. I also forgot about 98 degrees. <laughs> Then again, oh I didn't really pay attention to many boy bands either. So, because we had the girl bands too, and there were a lot of <laughs> those as well. It's girls. That's the only one that matters. <laughs> I bring that to our final thoughts on the film and a ranking out of five. That's something new we started doing here on our movie reviews. Keith, any final thoughts and then your ranking? Ten. Number one, it's my favorite Pixar movies thus far. 
it out has of knocked their, off Toy in, Story 4. Out of their entire discography, filmography, sorry. It's, it's very hard, but right now, maybe because I've watched it so many times, Pixar has a lot of great movies that I really enjoyed. Toy Story, all the Toy Stories, Wally, Wally is one of my favorites. The Incredibles mm-hmm. 1 and 2, uh, Coco. Well, right now, this is at the top. Even Onward. Onward made me cry so much because uh, I made, it made me miss my father who uh, Onward passed was away. A, it was yeah, a heavy hitter. So, so, yeah. Right now, this one's at the top for me right now. So, you're giving it a strong 5 out of 5. Yes, I am. All righty. Tessa, any final thoughts and then your score? Um, I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was fantastic representation. And it was just a different take on a very familiar subject. And also a not so familiar subject. Um, <laughs> but as far as uh, ranking goes, I know like where it is in films. I know it's like number three, so maybe like four and a half out of five out of five. I, I still right. have it underneath Coco and then Inside Out. Inside Out makes me cry every time. But that's a different different topic for a different day. Oh, definitely. I can't wait for that one. Um. And for me, my final thoughts are, this is a beautiful film. It is weird and awkward and quirky in all the right ways. It captures that age, that time, and everything so perfectly. And for all those reasons, I am giving it a 5 out of 5, giving it the final score of a 5 here at the Penultimate Conquest. So that would be it, and that brings us into plugs. Keith, what are you plugging today? Before I plug, I want to say, I mean, name one Pixar movie outside of this that gave you kaiju rattles. I mean, come on. I can't. <laughs> it was, I can't. It was I so can't. good. It was so good. All right. So, you know, you can find me on Twitter at Shadowhaxer, S-H-A-D-O-W-H-A-X-O-R. Very long story behind the name. Ask me on Twitter sometime. Um, you can also catch me out over at theoutofhaven.net, where we do a lot of gaming and anime and manga news. Um, also check us out on YouTube at the Outer Haven as well. All right, all right, definitely will be always a great place to get my anime news. Josh, we we'll um, appreciate it. Tessa, what about you? What are you plugging today? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at smash underscore bro. It is spelled Cajun as hell. It's uh, B R E A U X. Um, and if you so want, that's how you say that, okay? Yeah, it's it's like a play on Smash Bros. Smash Bros. Uh, okay, I yeah. never knew that. I also didn't yeah, know that was the Cajun way of spelling say it. it. Yeah, um, you'll know uh, if you ever watch an LSU game, we like to spell go G E A U X, and I hate it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and if you uh like history, I'm also working on a podcast, and you can uh follow that on Twitter as well. at T and Intrigue, although it's technically just at T Intrigue, because T and Intrigue was taken. So, yeah. Is the account at least active? It is active, yes. Okay. That, that's I always have... the better feeling one than when it's one that was made in 2007. You know, like, <laughs> I, the I, I, your I, name. Logo <laughs> my profile picture, it's great. I love it. So. Fantastic. Can't wait to see and learn a bit about history. And for me... Like usual, you can find me over on Twitter at RyanTheLion3055 for wherever and whatever I'm up to in this wild world of the internet. Again, thank you both for being on. I had a fantastic time on this episode. And thank you all for listening. Have a fantastic night. Goodbye.